let's go. It is Sunday, the 6th of November, 2016, and this is Solder Smoke. 191! All right, we've had some technical troubles, but we're triumphant. you got to rock and roll today. you got all kinds of things to do. I do, too. Yesterday was Billy's birthday. He's here visiting. You had a family wedding. Yeah, yeah. Number two son got married. Man, amazing. Just amazing. I, as I stood there at the ceremony, I thought, this is the kid that had three broken arms. Now he's finally getting married. All right. <laughs> All that wedding stuff, it takes time away from the workbench, though, Peter. Oh, yeah, it does. You've got to get back to the bench now. Some, yeah. uh, some additional good family news. Um, well, we have Billy's birthday. He's back. 19, 19 orbits completed. And happy news, little Gonzalo, that many of you have been helping out, doing great, and back home, back in the Dominican Republic, thanks to everybody who helped. One little bit of travel log. I'm just going to preview something that we'll put up on the blog. Um, Elise and I were back out in the Shenandoah National Forest, saw another bear. Oh, bears! Got a, got a picture. This oh, one's, this wow. one's going to blow your minds, I'm telling you. Wow. Wow. All right. Bench reports. Yeah. The FPM, the FPM rig. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you, give you a quick thumbnail sketch history. FPM 300 was a offering from Halicrafters, a company no longer in business. And this was their last product in their line, maybe a glass gasp effort. And the FPM stood for fixed portable mobile. It was a hybrid rig. Uh, was an all band, most of it solid state except for the driver in the final, and it was kind of a disaster. Uh, they actually had three variants of the model, the Mark III, and I think what they did is they put the Mark I out and uh, they used the uh, customer base to find all the problems. You know how that's done? You send it out, it doesn't work, and then someone says, oh yeah, I think this is the problem, and then they go, okay, let's go fix that. But anyway, it, it, it suffered from some problems like drift uh vfo drift and of course uh, that that was a bit of a problem the other thing is, is they were because it was the way it was built it had a self-contained power supply in there things were pretty compact so they were getting some feedback from the high power rf circuits into the solid state circuits and some of the fixes were to take a big piece of aluminum foil and just put it over the <laughs> solid state circuits I, i've done that yeah 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 so, you know, shielding was a little bit of an issue. And then the other thing they used was these uh, rubber bands. They were spline rubber bands. I've used those, too. Yeah, <laughs> like on the Heath kit. There you go. And these things that, you know, they dry out. And the next thing you know, your band switch was out of sync and out of lock. So it had some problems. Um, I acquired one here about two years ago with the idea, I'm going to make this work. I, I got it at a good price. And you know what? I couldn't make it work. It just had too many problems. Someone got in there and jimmied the power supply. And, I, you know, I tried to fix things. And they didn't solder things. They welded things. So I, in disgust, I pulled out the main board, pulled out the S-meter, sold the Hulk for parts, and my net cost was about $20. So this thing was kind of hiding in the bottom of the junk box. And uh, following our theme of junk box rigs, I said, I'm going to make this work. So I coupled it uh, with uh, you know, the front-end mixer and uh, transmit driver stages, what have you, and uh, added an Arduino and a color display. And there we have a rig, a rig. <laughs> you know, and it's very fitting, Pete, that this comes out around the time of a wedding because we have as they say something old something new something borrowed 
Something blue. It's got to have a blue front panel. Julie, it's so, got to be yeah. Giuliano yeah. blue. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I got it working, and uh, you know, when I get on the air now, and I, and I, I'm, I'm serious when I said this. I've made several hundred contacts with with the rig, and uh, so people say, well, "What are you using?" I said, "Check my QRZ.com page." So I, put a, <laughs> I know. Put a picture, I know. Put a picture of it there. I know the feeling. And then they come back, and sometimes they're like, "But, but, uh, yeah, really, yeah." yeah. Yeah, the guy said, "You're you're serious? You're you're talking to me in this way?" But anyway, I've coupled it uh, with a couple of amplifiers, and so uh, wait, intermediate. Wait, 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 wait! A couple of amplifiers. You just oh, kind of yeah. slide past over there, Mr. QRP oh, Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, I mean it. Go. It went from three to four watts to a hundred watts, pretty easy, and to six, seven hundred watts, pretty oh, easy. Oh man, as well. this is this is this. <laughs> That's it. Once you get on that slippery slope, the next thing you know, you're in Kilowatt Alley, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got one of those on in the works too. <laughs> you know, so, but, we're going anyway. to have to report you to the authorities. You're yeah, you're, you're yeah, pushing the limits of your special dispensation yeah. from George Dobbs. Yeah, take my word away. You know, let him take it. <laughs> anyway, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the CQ Worldwide contest was on a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> excuse me, and. Uh, Contest, I'm not a contester, but I gotta tell you, this is a really good time to get on the air, especially with QRP, because <clears throat> all the stations are out there, and uh, it's a good chance to work some DX. And I'm happy to report at the QRO level, I worked into the Caribbean, and worked into Japan, and worked into New Zealand, and picked up Hawaii along the way. And so on 40 meters with a droopy dipole, uh, I, that, that was really interesting. The thing, you know, obviously in the contest, everybody's 5'9". But what I found was first call, they come back to me. So I got some things going there with regard to the antenna and the amplifier. So a lot, a lot of fun, making a lot of contact, made a lot of contacts at three to four watts. So, uh, yeah, you can do it. And I think the message here is sometimes you can find these older rigs and you can get them for practically nothing at a garage sale. And the next thing you know, if you study the study the schematics, you can turn that uh, that sow's ear into a silk purse. So I'm, I'm working on putting it in a box. So ultimately, I mean, along the way there, of course, I don't have the time to, you know, spend hours and hours and hours at this, which I'd dearly love to do. But it's, uh, you know, half an hour here, 15, 20 minutes. And yesterday I fixed, uh, kind of finalized the power supply. It uses some weird voltages. So I, I got that part working. Yeah. A lot, a lot of fun. Beautiful. I mean, I, I really love, you know, I, I always say I love the pictures of the rigs when they're still kind of spread out on the workbench with all kinds of wires and stuff. That's a real rig. It, it, it really evokes the old language, the old terminology of a rig. You know, I, it, it's kind of irritating when I hear guys talk about, oh, that's a really nice radio. Well, what radio are you using? I, yeah. you know, I prefer rigs. Yours one, is a rig. The, yeah, one of the most frequent comments I get is, gee, it's really stable on frequency. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get, I, I get. Oh wow, it, it really sounds good. Oh yeah. yeah. But, it, but it annoys me when they say it sounds good for a homebrew rig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, if following your lead, I, I now am the proud owner owner of a FuelTech uh, counter frequency generator. Oh man. And I, I even use that. And you're going to talk about that because you mentioned that in the last podcast. Uh, I, I found that I was able, to, I had suspected the lower sideband was off by about 30 hertz. Well, with that generator, I found it was off 50 hertz. So I've since fixed that, I changed the code. So what, what a neat device. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful little thing. It's field tech. Yeah. 
I got one. I like it. It's amazing capability. It's you know it's yeah. a good good signal generator from audio all the way up to I think it goes up beyond. Well, the high portions, the HF bands, yeah. and then and then yeah. the frequency counter in there works really great. What I was fooling around right. with it is I was trying to to use it to scan in a very simple way, scan the passband oh, of yeah, crystal yeah. filters. Uh, no, I I had a little fun with it. I set the scan function up and set it for real slow, like thirty seconds, yeah. and just it just had it repeat itself, and and I'll hear it, I'll hear it in the receiver. I hear it go, <laughs> you know, it'll go by, <laughs> and so that that's really kind of kind of. I just wanted to see if I could set it up, you know. And the the other thing too is that counterpart that you mentioned. The first thing I did was put the counter to make sure the frequency being generated by the Arduino was in fact the frequency that I had initially put in there, and then I was able to tune it using the frequency generator part to, to move it about 50 hertz. So, yeah, I mean, aside from the crystal filters, here here was a real practical use to make sure what, what you had put in the code is actually what's being generated. So Amazing. You know, we're, we've been talking about all of the test gear coming out of China, and it's, uh, it's, it's really fantastic for a very small amount of money. You can really improve your your test and uh, troubleshooting capabilities on the bench. Between the Rigol scope and this little uh, field tech SIG generator, you know, I, I just a couple weeks ago I went through and I just removed from the bench and from the shelves around it a lot of test gear that I had accumulated over the years that had all kinds of plugs and wires and power supplies because you know it, they were made as would say in the UK they were made redundant by by the capabilities yeah. in, in the Rigol and in the and in the, the little field tech SIG generator. So uh, yeah, I mean it, it's 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 for for a very small investment you could really really up your uh, game there on the workbench. Yeah. Several things you that you now we're going to move. Can we move to my bench? You got anything else? Sure. Going? Yeah. All right. Oh, ooh, well, good. I mean, it's talking about rigs and having stuff spread out on the bench. Uh, I was working. I've been, I'm still working on my uh, HRO-ish receiver based on the uh, the beautiful dial from the National HRO rig that that Armand WA1UQO sent me. But I put that aside when I got this package from India. Farhan sent me a Bidex 40 module, and I'll just quickly explain what's going on here. This is not a kit. It's a completely assembled board. The board's about the size of your hand, and it's got on it a complete Bidex 40 transceiver. The only thing that you have to attach, and you can attach them with connectors, is the the, 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 the frequency tuning pot, uh, the volume control, the power jack, uh, the mic input, and all that. But other than that, this is a complete ready-to-go transceiver. Farhan's making it available. He's putting it together in a very novel way. He's using a, a collective of a women's collective. They wind the toroid, so they get a little work out of it. So there's a kind of a, a kind of a social aspect of this too, in, in, in that he's helping people who could use some help. And the whole thing's available for forty five dollars U.S. shipped from India. Amazing. Got one coming. You got, got one, one coming. Got I, one I, I was when I when I opened <laughs> this thing up, I was just I was I was ama- amazed and fascinated by it. At, you know, I looked at it, and, and it, you know, it's got surface mount parts. All the re- most of the resistors and caps are surface mount. But being so familiar with the bidex, having built three of them, I looked down and I said it was almost like I was looking at our beloved bidex circuit in miniature. It's like, honey, I shrunk the bidex, but not too much. It, it didn't get shrunk into a little IC chip 
that's completely opaque. It didn't become a little black box. Even with the surface mount parts, and Farhan used the largest available surface mount parts, you can see, you can clearly see the circuitry. You can see the, the three different bilateral, bidirectional amplifiers. You can see the, the diode ring mixer. Of course, the power amplifiers, the mic amp, the audio amps. It's all right there. And unlike some of the more sophisticated, modern, you know, IC-oriented microprocessor, the software-defined radio receivers or transceivers, with this one, because the surface mount parts are there, you could still put your scope probe on the collector of Q7 and read what's coming out of the BFO or what's coming out of the VFO. Fantastic stuff. I, I, I just really love this thing. And it, it caused me to kind of stop everything else I was doing and work on this thing. It's, 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 it is really great. I got the receiver going almost immediately. And that... It's, it's, it, there's so many cool things about this. Um, I mean, people have noticed, and I noticed, that the, the VFO drifts a bit. But one of the reasons that Farhand put this rig out was because he wanted to encourage people to experiment, to modify, to get their hands dirty working on a rig. And he realizes that there's a lot of folks out there who have never built a bit X, and probably at this point, in their ham radio experience, you're not ready to go and build a scratch-built Bidex. But this thing gives them the opportunity to have one that's working. They start out with one that's working, and now they can modify it. They can improve it. They could add circuits. If they want to improve the stability of the VFO, they can add one of your beloved, you know, DDS or SI5351 digital oscillators. If they want to change the audio, they can work on that. If they want to move the thing to a different band, they can work on that. In my case, I, I, I was kind of on, uh, you know, I, I didn't like the, the fact that the VFO was drifting. I mean, I could have lived with it easily. It wasn't bad. But because I've been working on VFOs, I've become, I guess, a little bit hypersensitive about VFO stability. You know you can build something better. Or, or, or something more complicated. Right. Oh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to build a, a, a VFO, you know, with uh, coils and capacitors and all that. You know, that old-fashioned stuff. You remember that stuff, right? Right. Yeah, you do. Yeah, okay, sort good. of. Kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> vaguely. But anyway, so I, I my, my first mod on this thing was to build an analog VFO. And I used the same principles that I had learned in the process of building the, the VFO for the HRO uh, receiver. Almost the same physical architecture, too. And I, I was really pleased with it because I, I was amazed at how stable I was able to get the VFO. It got really, really stable. And I'm going to demonstrate it here in a second. Um, there's no, no not even any warm-up time. You just flip this thing on from a cold start, and it's right there. And I, I, I might, we might someday do a test here. I'll do a, is this an SI5351 or is this a, an analog VFO? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. try to, we'll try to fake out Pete Giuliano. That'll be a, that'll yeah, be an interesting okay. test. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I really, really like this thing. And, it, and it's already created a really vibrant online community in which people all over the world, especially a lot of hams in India and now in the US and in Europe are talking about this thing, talking about the mods, talking about how they're improving it. For example, the VFO that's on the board, I, I think it would be really cool if we could, if they could find a way 
to make that thing, you know, acceptably drift-free. I mean, I'm skeptical because those tiny little caps, when I build a VFO, it's enormous. It's like a, it looks like a big battleship. It's big. It's three-dimensional. But if they could get that little VFO, it's only, it's about the size of two thumbs or one thumb with all the surface mount parts. If they could get that thing really stable on the board, wow, that, and it's Veractor tuned, so you don't need to find a, you know, expensive variable cap. Um, they're working on it. For example, Farhan has come out and said, all right, we can reduce the temperature change on the board by reducing the idle current in some of the amplifiers. So that's one thing that's going on. I think somebody else came in and said, if you change one of the, the voltage regulators on the board, that reduces the heating further. Somebody else came in and said, well, even though those caps are surface mount, they, we could get NPO or, you know, was negative positive zero temperature coefficient. coefficient caps in surface mount and put those in there, or at certain critical spots we could go with larger caps. But all these things are contributing to kind of a, a the spirit of experimentation that Farhan had in mind when he put this thing out. I, I did I one, one little funny story. I, I, uh, I, I, I you know, the details don't really matter, but we, I always think about the, the ladies who are sewing the toroids, you know, at, at home, they're trying to get some additional money to keep their families going. And that, that was one of the big motivations that Farhan had in, in putting this project together. And uh, I used some of the donation money that people have sent in to the podcast, and I sent it over to, to Farhan. I mean, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to send me the, the board for nothing. I said, no, no, come on. Here's the... Here's the the money for the for the board and he said well it's already been shipped you're going to mess up the system so what i'm going to do is i'm going to take the uh the money that you sent and use it to buy diwali candies you know it's the it's, it's the hindu festival of diwali and he said we're going to buy candies for the ladies for diwali they'll be they'll be very pleased i was really happy about that so oh yeah, yeah everybody who's, everybody who sent in money the d- donations to solder smoke your money went to buy those ladies, Diwali candies. And for those of you who don't know, Diwali is a big Hindu festival. It's a celebration of light over darkness, good over evil, knowledge over ignorance, and hope over despair. There you go. That's it. Oh, That's what we're all about here, Pete. Yeah. Hey, hey, why don't you give them the URL so they can look it up? It's real simple. HFSIGS, HFSIGS altogether, dot com. There you go. I got, I got all kinds of pictures and stuff of this on the blog, so if you if you need to find it, just go to the Solder Smoke blog. You can find it there. But man, I am having fun with this thing. Oh, you'll you'll be pleased too, Pete. I did I did build a a DDS VFO with it too. And oh, actually, I made a oh. I made a QSO yesterday with it with the, with the oh. DDS VFO. I got oh. on and I and I could tell it was like a Scouts on the Air thing with the Cub Scouts were on, really you know little guys, and he was very nervous. But I talked. Talked to him, and the, the scoutmaster was there, and he helped them through. And I said to them, "You guys, you really can't imagine the rig that you're you're talking to right now. So I'm going to send you a picture." So I sent them a picture. But hey, let's listen to this thing for a second. I'm gonna, sure. Now we're going to go from a cold start. All right, I'm going to just flip it on. Well, while you're doing that, Bill, I just want to reemphasize: this is a forty-five dollar rig. Forty-five ship. bucks. This is great Christmas present stocking stuffer. <clears throat> and if you go the uh, the route of the SI5351 and AD8, AD9850 or SI5351 Arduino, 
that's about 20 bucks. So $65, guys, $65. Or in the case what Bill did, uh, you know, even a lesser amount. $50 bill will get, put a rig in your hands. I guess some, I guess you can hear some of the CW from the, uh, sweepstakes. You hearing that, Pete? Let me turn around a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't drift. It stays right there. Beautiful. Forty-five yeah, bucks. You know, you know, you know what also is telling Bill is uh, as you listen to those really strong signals, you, you don't hear any pumping in the audio. No, no. And, so and this is a real simple receiver. There's no, there's yeah. no AGC or anything in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's made improvements. Some, I, it's really cool, Pete. You'll get a kick out of this when you get it. Look at the improvements that that Farhan has introduced here. And, he, and I put a message up on the blog in which he outlines them. He added the additional relay that many uh, of us yeah. had discovered that, discovered, that it needed yeah. to, to improve stability. And the other thing is he used one of the contacts on the relay to take care of something that, that had always bothered me in the original design. He has it now so that when you go to trans from, from receive to transmit, that one of the relays kicks the, the whole audio, uh, ampli- the receive audio amplifiers out so you don't get that annoying thump. Feedback. Yeah. Well, the yeah, big, the yeah. big thump too. So, uh, listen, just three cheers for, uh, for Farhan and the BidX40 module. And, uh, I hope everybody jumps in. You know, be patient with it. It's gotta be tough sending these things out. Worldwide demand has to be enormous. And it's, he's, it's pretty much a one-man show. Him and the collective over there. He's got a few people helping him. You know, he personally inspects every single one. Yeah, you, you know, I wanted to just share my experience, uh, with the, uh, with that process. I, I placed the order. It got shipped like in two days. And and the the delay is the India Post. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it, two to three weeks. So, but I mean, it went out the door uh, uh, real fast, real fast. So, but, yeah. But but really really cool. And I'm, I'm, I think everybody's going to have a great time with this. Hey, I forgot to mention something. We got a bit of good news. Um, this is a also kind of uh, in the same spirit, like a kind of an important thing for home brewers. Experimental methods in RF design lives again. There were rumors that it was ending its, that the, the AWRL was going to take it out of publication and wasn't going to sell anymore. And a lot of people were, were concerned about this. And I'm, I'm really pleased. We got a message, uh, yesterday on the EMRFD reflector from Wes Hayward saying that, um, at the end of the summer, I posted that EMRFD was about to die. The third printing, aka the revised first edition was completely sold out and no additional printings were planned. We had known this was coming, so there was no surprise. I really thought that this was the end. But the folks at ARRL listened and entertained some of our ideas. 
and now appears that something will happen. The time, the timetable is tentative, but early 20, 2017 looks good. This is not much more. To, there's not much more to say at this time. Keep an eye on QST for advertisements. I'll post something when the details are set. Thanks to all for the support and interest. Seven three West. Excellent. And I want to. I want to. Uh, thanks to West for for fighting that good fight for for writing the book with Rick Campbell and others. Bob and, Larkin. And, and that's right. And 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 also I want a big a big shout out and thanks to uh, to Tom Gallagher at ARRL. This is an example of how great it is for us to have a real home brewer, a guy who understands, you know, the technical roots of, of, of amateur radio at the helm at ARRL. So thanks yeah, to everybody absolutely. involved. That's really good news. That's an important book. Um, let's see. Well, that gets us to the Shameless Commerce Shameless Division. Shameless Commerce Division, yeah. Um, first, I want to do a shout-out to... To Sprat and the GQRP Club. You know, I got the latest edition of Sprat. For the for the guys who are new to the to the world of, of home brewing and, and and QRP, you remember QRP, Pete? Remember that? Yeah. Uh, QRP. Yeah. Okay. QRP. <laughs> I'm razzing a little bit because he's talking about amplifiers. Anyway, uh, if you're not subscribed to Sprat and you're not a member of the GQRP Club, you're really missing out. It's a wonderful uh, magazine and. It's been going on for, for many decades now. It's a real source of wisdom and inspiration, and it's very inexpensive. Just just Google them, GQRP and Sprat. You can get it in the U.S. You can get it all around the world. Uh, great stuff. Um, and our, our, our standard announcement about what we'd like people to do to support Solder Smoke, it's, it's painless and it's costless to you. It only takes money out of the pockets of who? Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. That's yeah. right. Amazon. Amazon. They got plenty of money. They could help us. Yeah. What the heck? You yeah. know, so if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna buy something from Amazon, start at the soldersmoke.blogspot.com page. And when you do, you begin your search and everything else proceeds exactly as normal, except cha-ching, they send us some money. Yeah. And we use that to buy stuff for the show. Well, so. well, well let, let me, let me just throw an oar in here. This is the second time we've done this show. Actually, the third. <laughs> and, and, and and please buy a lot real quick so Bill can get some new software. Yeah. We need we need some recording software. Believe me, we really do. I know, I know it's it's getting kind of clunky here. Talking about you know you know aluminum foil tape and and yeah, rubber bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, it's a long story, but I read this morning the way to go is to get a digital recorder. So we need a digital recorder. And I think yeah. it's time to upgrade the microphone. People can't see it. You can see it, Pete. It's, <laughs> well, it, it's, it's scandalous. But, but, but would you do this? I'll put it in the museum. Get, no, no, no. If you get a new microphone, enclose that in, in the in the container that you have, because then that really adds to the solder smoke. This is this is a baby wipe with rubber bands over a lamp or something like that. It's right? a lamp. It's, <laughs> it's it's definitely a roadkill roadkill <laughs> microphone. All so right. buy stuff, guys. We need recording. We need a new recorder. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting hard on me. Getting up at five in the morning. He's up at five o'clock in the morning. We we started this yesterday. You know, yeah. three cheers for Pete Giuliano. Um, all right, listen. Just a couple, a few other things to mention. Then we'll get it. We got a rather lengthy uh, mailbox here. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, Bob Crane sent me uh, a little rig 
the littlest rig that you can imagine, probably the littlest rig there is, even even smaller than our beloved Michigan Mighty Might. Um, this is the Hamfest Buddy from W1REX, Rex Harper. At Dayton, he did this uh, kind of build-a-thon, the world's biggest build-a-thon, WBB. And it was this crystal-controlled uh, single transistor 2N2222 um, oscillator on, on 20 meters. And the thing about it is it's completely free of solder smoke. No solder. It's all plug-in. He, he came up with this little board. It was ingenious. And you just plug the parts in. You follow the sequence. And at the end, you end up with this oscillator that actually produces RF. You know, and the, the I guess the, the effect, the allure, is similar to what you get from the, the Michigan Mighty Might. So Bob Crane sent me this thing. He had interviewed Wex, uh, uh, Rex for us out there, and he sent me the... Um, the, uh, the the kit, and I one afternoon a couple weeks ago decided to put it together, and it was really cool. I mean, I I didn't think I I I don't know. I said I don't know how how am I going to like a rig where you don't solder anything, but it was different. It was fun, and uh, you really did get the sense that you were you were building something. The schematic was right there, and you you could see what everything was going to do. I actually had to do a little modification to it, but I took the thing, and then I, when I got it done, okay, yeah, I could hear it on the receiver. And before I quit, I said, hey, wait, let me hook up the antenna. I actually had a low-pass filter in there and everything else. The key is this little tiny, tiny, it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's, it's tiny. You can barely get, it's like the end, of, like, it's like the little button on the top of a pen. It's an on-off switch, and that's the key. So I said, let me hook it up to the antenna and, and call CQ a few times and see if the reverse beacon network picks me up. This is fantastic. I, we've talked about this before. But there's the, there are these skimmers out there. Guys have set up stations where they're automatically scanning the CW portions of the handbands, listening automatically for CQs. If they hear somebody call on CQ, it automatically grabs the call sign and uploads it to the website. With a signal report, timestamp, location, everything. So this is perfect. I mean, if I was calling CQ on one fixed frequency... And I think my power output was 64 milliwatts. My antenna was kind of a down-to-the-earth dipole. It could be an, an, an effort and frustration. But I called CQ a few times one morning and was picked up four times by two different stations way out in the Great Plains. So wow. that, was, that was fun. Thanks to Rex and Bob. I really, I really like that. QSOs, HB to HB. Yeah, there you go. HB well, squared. Are you up, to, you, you up at seven or eight now? What's, what's the, what's oh, I think the count? Six. Six. Maybe seven. Ooh. I forgot the count. Ooh. But, you know, I might, I put this up on the blog a few weeks ago. I was talking, uh, on 40 to KW4KD and he was on a, on a, on a commercial rig, an ICOM or a Kenwood or something like that. And I mentioned that I was using homebrew gear and he just kind of casually mentioned, he goes, well, you know, I got a bunch of that stuff on the shelf here. He built it back in the 1970s, built a pretty, a really impressive, homebrew station, uh, yeah. complete CW station, and a complete sideband station. And and I said to him, I said, well, why don't you blow the dust off and get it on the air? I mean, you know, there's there's very few sideband homebrew rigs out there. I told him about how few HB to HB sideband contacts I've had. And a couple weeks later, I get an email from him. He said, I did what you asked me to do. I blew the dust off, and, and let's see if we can make a contact. And we did. So wow. it was really cool. pretty cool. It was like, it was like born again, uh, home brewer or, you know, you know, Rip Van Winkle, home brew. Great stuff. Terrific. 
Pete, you got anything else to report? Anything from the bench? Anything you're working on? What? Well, no, but I want to uh, share one little thing that I did on the blog. I'm not spending as much time on the blog as I did before, but I didn't realize this, that you could actually put polling questions on the blog. And I put a question up there, you know, do, are you, do you homebrew and do you scratch build or you kit build? And I, I only got a handful of responses, but, but of the handful, everybody does scratch build. Excellent. Which I thought, which I thought was, you know, I- interesting. Maybe, maybe that's something you can put on your blog because you have, you have a lot more people look at it, but really interesting that, and some of the guys, you got two answers that they build kits and scratch build, but predominantly, People who do home brewing are doing scratch building. Excellent. That's that's an inter- interesting point. It is. There you go. Yeah. I mean, and I I, I think you know maybe kits are a good way to get started and all, but scratch built is the way to go. We're just pretty yeah. hardcore, Pete. Yeah. Hey, you know, I was just laughing a little bit. Uh, the, the going back to the Farhan rig, you know, that eliminates the solder smoke. I'm in the sense that you solder together and then the rig smokes. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, for well, the first drive out of the box, well, you, you, put, well, you don't want to let the smoke out. out. Work. Yeah, but that's, I, you know, Sparhan has set up a blog page on hacks for the, uh, the this thing, specific hacks, because this rig made it onto Hackaday, by the way. It was oh, a huge cool. hit on Hackaday. But, and, and so, he set up a separate blog page for people who've done useful or interesting hacks or changes or modifications to this rig. And he asked me to submit one, and he, he put something about the VFO that I built. But then the first one I said was, you better put some reverse diode, reverse polarity protection in there, because I guarantee you, that you're Sutter gonna <laughs> you're gonna hook up red to black and black to red. Yeah, yeah. And I look at those tiny little parts and I said, man, the smoke will come out of them real fast. Really fast. <laughs> real fast. Yeah. <laughs> so I took a diode. My my favorite way of doing this, I just took a diode and and, and wired it in reverse across the uh, the power connector, and then I put a fuse like a two amp fuse in the line going in. And the idea is that if you do that. It'll smoke the fuse. Well, it'll smoke the fuse, and that and that diode will conduct real fast. Yeah. And some guys wrote in and said, yeah, but it, it, there'll be power there until the fuse blows. The fuse will blow really fast. And not oh, only that, I mean, the fuse. max voltage drop that you're going to have across that diode is, what, 0.6 volts? Yeah. So it's never going to get it. above 0.6. I mean, I guess there's some real sensitive components out there that would be bothered by that, but... Not on this rig, I think. So anyway, but there's a, a whole bunch of ways of doing that. But yeah, don't let the smoke out. Then you'd have to spend another 45 bucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Pete. I know you gotta, get, you gotta get going. We're going through this in record time. This might be one of our yeah shortest podcasts, but you've got obligations early this morning. Yeah. But anyway, we got yeah. a long, we got a long mailbag and talking about beautiful scratch built. Jan from the Netherlands has been sending us pictures about his. Mate for the Mighty Midget. This is a, a receiver. I built one of these things. Mine is nowhere near as beautiful as Jan's. Jan's got got metalworking skills and electronic skills and creativity. He used the end cap of a sewer pipe. This guy made his own reduction drive. He made this beautiful dial assembly. He had kept it a secret. He told you what it was all about. Yeah. But then he swore you to secrecy. But then yeah, he just yeah. recently put out a video 
on 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 the receiver as it's finally it's completed and it is a thing of beauty i was just blown away by this thing i know you were too did you look at the lettering on on the the dial the the numbers i gotta look more closely it's a circular dial look look at the lettering on that that that'll tell you something i think that was hand lettered oh man a lot better than my uh my black magic marker and dymo tape (laughs) yeah yeah beautiful stuff another beautiful picture I'm sorry? He had a picture of that next to the transmitter, he does. which I thought was which was kind of cool because you can see it. It's just like that someone you know designed this so that they mate. They really do mate. Oh, they really. It's it's an amazing thing. I've got it all up on the Solder Smoke blog. Take a look, and you guys will see what I'm talking about. Almost everything I mentioned today is up on the blog, but they, I, I just wanted to mention again. We got a, a friend in, in in New Zealand, Charlie, who sent us to work on a number of rigs. New Zealand and Australia seems to be. The kind of the global focal point for the double center. double sideband double yeah. sideband DSB, and uh, Charlie he built a, a a DSB rig and he built it in um a kind of a a, a, a a like a sandwich plastic sandwich box and he's going to take it with him when he goes out hiking, and so he called it uh, the I said you know the Australians had a rig called a Tucker tin, was similar. And that was like for the local expression for a lunchbox. And because this is plastic, I said Tupper tin. So Charlie, yeah, congratulations go. on the rig. And you know, I, I, I was alerted to this by Peter Parker, BK3YE, who is the global DSB guru. Yeah, right? yeah. Anyway, good to hear from him. Hey, listen, um, musical news. You know, you, you, Pete, have brought, um, you know, uh, some music into the show here. Your own music, your son's music. We talk about it a bit. We also talk about the International Geophysical Year, 1957-1958, when I made a, made my first appearance here on the planet, during a very good sunspot cycle, by the way. All these things oh, were yeah. omens. 19, cycle 19. Omens. The radio yeah. gods had spoken. Um, and there's a song, and I've been listening to it for years. Um, Donald Fagan has a song called IGY. And... A while back, in those dark days before you appeared on the show. By the way, we just did show number 30 with you. Yeah, three number 30. Zero, man. Time flies when you're having fun. Thanks, Pete. Anyway, um, uh, IGY, the song, we used it as the intro. We used a few bars from the song for the intro to the show when I was talking about IGY. Uh, Steve, N8NM, last week, this one, another mind-blowing event, sends to me, he says, Hey, listen, I, I know you played that song, IGY, by Donald Fagan. It's from the album Nightfly. And the theme in this album is there's a lot of radio stuff in there. There's a song FM, and there's a song about a disc jockey and getting calls in the evening from crazy people on call-in radio. And there's a picture, the cover picture on the album is this guy sitting there, kind of a beatnik-looking kind of guy with a cigarette hanging from his his fingertips and a big microphone there and the, the record player. And obviously that's the Nightfly, the night disc jockey. And Steve sends me this clip from an interview with Donald Fagan. And they asked Fagan who he had in mind when he wrote these songs and when he came up with the album cover for Nightfly. Who was the Nightfly? There was all kinds of speculation that it might have been some jazz disc jockeys out there across the United States. Uh Uh-uh. Gene Shepard. Holy cow. Sent chills down my spine. Wow. Yeah. Talk about the radio gods speaking. 
Right. By, by the way, there's a little postscript there. For those who don't know, Donald Fagan is one half of Steely Dan. Oh, man. And Donald, Donald Fagan's alma mater is the Boston Berkeley College of Music. And the only reason I happen to know that is my son and my money <laughs> went to Boston <laughs> Berkeley College of Music. <laughs> yeah. So hey. anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's where Tim went. That's where Tim went to school. Yeah. And aside, I went to a rock concert last week. Can you believe it? <laughs> Oh, you did? Who did you see? Never Ending Fall. My niece and nephew. Oh, yes, that's right. They have a band. They played the Fillmore here in D.C. Wow. They were opening for, for some other group, but my wife and I, we went over there. I had earplugs in my pocket, and we went over yeah, there. It, it was great. We had a great time. Check them out. They're on YouTube. Uh, all right. Uh, music. Great, great, great. Rob, a VK5RC. Man. A brave fella. Repairing tech scopes. Tektronic scopes. Repairing the scopes. Tube type scopes. Holy you, cow. You still, you still have one, don't you? That I'm, 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 I'm still traumatized from opening the thing up. <laughs> it had sockets. Sockets, Sock, on, sockets on transistors. I would have been, it wouldn't have been quite so scary if there were tubes, but the sockets, the transistor sockets oh, just, man. oh man. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, no. And plus, transistors in sockets. Plus, three thousand volts. Well, okay, yeah, but yeah. but it's low current. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> no, I have uh, you know discretion got the better part of valor on that one. Uh, Colin M one B U U. Wow, building a superhead receiver using an SI fifty three fifty one. Yeah, your influence yeah. is spreading far and wide. Yeah, uh, on uh, on on for forty meters and. Um, no, was it twenty meters or forty? Twenty, 20 meters. It was twenty meters, right? Twenty meters, yeah. Oh, but, I, he, I but he's got a he's got a, he's got a, a homebrew IF at seven megahertz or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Excellent. Dennis Clippa. Dennis is a real uh, somebody who's making a real contribution to the radio art and history. He has taken a real deep interest in the physics of how an SWR meter works. These meters that we all have in our shacks. He he discovered, and I discovered around the same time, that very few people really understand what goes on in there and how these things separate forward from reverse. And he has done a lot of research. And then we found that there was one seminal publication from 1949 out of Naval Research Labs. It's yeah. Naval Research Labs Report 3538. We could find it nowhere on the web. Interesting. Nowhere. It wasn't available. You could Google it all to your heart's content. You couldn't find it until... About two weeks ago, Dennis wrote to Naval Research Lab and bought from them this report. But when he got it, it had been copied and recopied so many times that it was almost illegible. So, demonstrating true dedication to the radio art, Dennis Klippa sat and retyped the whole thing. Right? Put the, put the drawings back in there. They were in pretty good shape. But retyped the whole thing, sent it to me. And I put it up on the Solder Smoke blog. So now if anybody wants to take a look at where this all came from, it's right there. Three cheers for Dennis Clippa and his contribution you, you, you to the radio You didn't ask art. me. Huh? You didn't ask me. You didn't ask me. Why? What happened? I, I'm saying, I, I think I got the original article on my computer. Do you? Yeah, I but, think but, I do. Jack, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you did because we couldn't find it. <laughs> I, I think I do. Well, if in, I find it, I'll send it to you. Yeah. That, that, then that would be, that would be just a, a yeah. further reinforcement of my high opinion of you. 
I got it. I think I got it. Yeah. I was going to say it was the Navy who did that. That's right. And I remember I copied the article. Yeah, if I got it, I'll send it to you. All right. Terrific. Great. And thanks to Dennis. Uh, Jonathan, M0JGH, the Wizard of Wimbledon. The Wizard of Wimbledon built a rig inside a matchbox box. And, uh, you know, real QRP stuff, real GQRP stuff. He mentioned again his ever-patient girlfriend who really doesn't complain when he carries these devices with him on vacation. I said it before. You know what I'm going to say. He's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, he's, but I, I'm saying he's not Italian. <laughs> he's the guy up in the, the hills of Italy? Yeah. And he, he's got his girlfriend a bottle of wine, and what's he doing? Play with radios. And she puts up with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's Marry that Italian. girl. I mean, come yeah. on. This is, you know, this, this doesn't happen every day. Jonathan, congratulations to you for the rig and everything. Um, okay, JH8 SST. Is that is that June? JH8. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Built a simple sieve and sent a nice video. Again, yeah. your influence spreading far and wide. That was really cool. I mentioned uh, Peter uh, Parker VK3YE earlier, but he also surprised me. He did a very nice thing. He um, he uh, did a review of my book, Solder Smoke. Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, and I got a kick out of this, Pete. He did the review from the pier in Melbourne, Australia. Ooh. The famous pier. Ooh, yeah. People, yeah. people down the there don't 40. know. Did he have the Beach Forty with him down there? No, but he just he was he had the book. But, but oh, okay. man, I'm telling you that, that that pier. Somebody should go down and put a plaque. Get the QRPARCI guys to go down there. Now that you're, you're, you you use your influence with them, a plaque of some <laughs> sort should be placed on the pier. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Uh, another Peter, GW4ZUA, built uh, Pete and Ben's uh, LBS receiver. It's the receiver portion, right? Yeah. And uh, there you go, a Welsh version of the LBS from Wales. I'm telling you, this is this is the global, this is the international brotherhood of electronic wizards right here. You, you know, I've received a couple of. Um inquiries here recently about uh you know starting the lbs and you know what i told them go buy the farhand rig for 45 dollars. start with that then you got something that works and then you can go build the lbs Good advice. and then you got then you got you got a standard of you got something that works and you're not disappointed right. you can compare what you got i said 45 dollars. you'll have a complete rig and then you can go play with the lbs oh man you know the farhand rig one of the things that i forgot to mention one of the things that blows me away about it is how I, I struggled through three scratch built bid axes to get everything stable, to get it stable, to get it on, on transmit. And you know, we talked about my woes with the transmit stability. Farhand puts this whole thing on one little board the size of your hand, and because of the use of surface mount parts, short leads, uh, a really uh, wise and well thought out design layout on the board, Absolutely no hint of instability. This thing is just super stable. So, and to see all of that, you know, five five watts pumping out of this thing—that's a lot of power—and not a hint of feedback or instability. Wow. Let, let me give you another data point. Uh, there's a company here in the United States that took the Videx and made a commercial kit out of it. Yeah. And they they even got uh, Dan Taylor, you know, the Taylor detector guy. They got yeah. him to work on it. And that thing is like twice the price. And one of the problems that they had with putting everything on one board, the instability of the IRF 510. So, so, 
Farhan has cracked that nut. He has cracked <laughs> the nut. And, 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 half, the, half the price. And, you know, in, in his original bid axe, in the scratch-built original bid axe, you know, he dealt with it by putting the, the power amplifier stage on a separate board, separate board. that was yeah. distant. And, he, and he, he pointed out there were stability concerns, and that's why he did it that way. But as you said, he's obviously cracked the nut because he now has it all on one board. I mean, again, the size of your open hand. Um, amazing stuff. One final piece of correspondence. We got. A, I was really happy to, see, to get some email from uh, another uh, homebrew hero, AA1TJ, Michael Rainey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He got. A, I got an email from a guy in Germany who had read on the blog about his tuning fork based rig. You remember a while back? Oh yeah. He yeah. had a tuning fork and he would get it and going. Took the two thousandth harmonic. The two thousand four hundredth harmonic. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and he would amplify it and got on the air with that thing. I worked DXCC or something. I don't know. You, Michael. He always. You know, he's, he's miraculous results. He's he's a real wizard. Anyway, this guy in Germany wrote and he was just you know, fascinated by what Michael had done. So I forwarded his email to Michael. Michael sent him all kinds of great details. And just the the enthusiasm was flying back and forth across the Atlantic about this uh, very kind of innovative use of technology that the spirit of amateur radio is alive and well, Pete Giuliano. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a great time to be in the hobby, Bill, because uh, <clears throat> I think the information sharing you know, just listen to how we talk here. Yeah, it was, uh, I downloaded this. I uh, got an email from Germany and the guy down in Australia sent him the data there. I mean, what a terrific time because we have access to all this information. We have access to what people are doing. Like, here's Farhan's page, you know, things that we found about the new Bidex 40 and things that you can try and improvements. So it's a great, you know, lot. In the past, it took like years to get caught up with this because we didn't have this access to information. And boy, it's just just amazing, tremendous, wonderful stuff. Pete, I want to thank you for getting up early this morning. Yeah, really early. Yeah, it's really early, and now you got to go off and take this in less than an hour. How, we talk fast. We talk fast. We concentrated. We got right to it. Yeah, yeah. And you have to bet. go out and take care of family responsibilities, so we'll let you go. Thanks very yeah, much for joining us again. Thanks for 30 podcasts. Holy cow. You bet. You bet. And I'm going to see if I have the SWR article, and I'll send it to you. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seven threes from the left coast. Seven threes from northern Virginia. I hope everybody changed their clock. Uh, I, I didn't. I forgot. <laughs> I was looking for you an hour early. <laughs> Take care, Pete. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported. And there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. 
Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!